Welcome to the Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEO Podcast. I'm Martin Harsberger, President of Measurable Results, LLC, and martinharsberger.com. I'm a retired CEO of both a manufacturing company and a third-party logistics company. We were lucky enough to grow both to eight-figure organizations. I've been consulting with small and mid-tier companies for the past 16 years. Our mission with this podcast is to provide a forum to help CEOs in these critical industries share their stories, share best practices, and learn from each other. If you'd like to be a guest in our podcast, go to www.martinharsberger.com slash apply. Each interview will take about 30 minutes. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Supply Chain CEOs. I'm Martin Harsberger, your host. Uh, Keith Lilly is with us today, President and CEO of North Park Transportation. Welcome, Keith. Hey, thanks for having me. Pleasure. Tell us a little bit about your company. I, I did look at your website this morning, and I have a couple of questions. So go ahead. Tell me what. Uh, tell me about it. <clears throat> yeah, sure. We are a 77-year-old, less than truckload uh, carrier. And for those of you that may not know what uh, less than truckload is, think of it as anything larger than a small parcel and anything smaller than a full truckload. Uh, it's a pretty unique niche in, in uh, the transportation industry. Um, you know, the broader trucking. Uh, market is about a you know eight hundred billion dollar a year market. LTL is closer to about forty six to forty eight billion a year, um, and so there's only about uh, fifty LTL carriers in the U.S. and and we're one of the fortunate fifty. We're approximately the thirty third, thirty fourth largest. Um, you know our industry it's highly dominated by the top seven or eight. Uh, large uh, LTL carriers, uh, and that's what we do. We service uh, a six-state region. We have 26 operations, and, and uh, they're located all in the, in the Rocky Mountain region, uh, the, the, the mountain time zone. So, awesome. Uh, one of the things I saw on your website, I, I looked at it this morning, and there were a couple of videos on there, and uh, was emphasizing you have a lot of long-term employees, which is impressive. Uh, I wanted to point that out. Uh, yep. What's your secret? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I think everyone thinks there's a silver bullet to that, and there's simply not. Um, you know, we uh, uh, we're an employee-owned company, and so uh, with that ESOP program that we have, we offer um, a long-term retirement plan that is uh, it's really unmatched in the industry. So you'll see you'll see employees, uh, drivers, dock employees, administrative employees that work in our office. Um, with you know, 25, 30 years, they'll retire and they'll retire millionaires. Um, wow. And it's, it's outstanding. And, and uh, we've, you know, as an organization, we've got to do a better job of marketing that because it is a competitive advantage. You know, we're not just competing for business uh, in the marketplace. We're competing for employees. Um, Absolutely. And, and uh, so we're working hard on that piece of it. And, and our view of it is, is, is we can grow our employee base if we can keep our employee base. And that's a big component of it. It's not all of it. Um, from a pay standpoint, we are extraordinarily competitive in the marketplace. Uh, and many of the markets that we service, in particular Wyoming and Montana, uh, we're gonna be some of the high, most the highest paying driving and dock employee jobs that you'll see uh, in, in the marketplace. And, th- and that helps us. And then finally, we've got a really strong culture. Um, you know, we really focus on doing the right thing, treating people the right way. Um, and everybody says that. And uh, I'm sure a lot of carriers do a really nice job of that. 
it's really important to me and it's important uh, to my leadership team that uh, um, uh, that we treat people the way that we would want to be treated. And uh, it seems to work out well for us. Well, it was obvious to me when I looked at because I've you know, I'm an old guy. I've been around a long time. So when I hit that this morning, I thought, well, you know, there's driver shortages, there's driver turnovers, yep. everybody's having issues. And the first thing that popped out of my mind when I looked at your website, I said, holy cow, this is pretty interesting. I, I, I applaud you for that. I mean, you, you, uh, you're right. You're, you're not just competing for customers. You're competing for competing yeah. and keeping it. Uh, employee turnover, you know what it costs. Uh, it, it's, it's a tremendous problem. Yeah. And, and any cost that you think is there from a turnover standpoint, it's likely the tip of the iceberg. And, yeah, exactly. and, 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 and our business, um, you know, our business, there's a there's a lot of tribal knowledge. Um, there's some things that, you know, an employee doesn't pick up in our business in, in the first six months or even the first six years. In some cases, it takes repetition. It takes um, loads of experience. And then you mix that with uh, the part of the country in which we operate. And uh, it turns out we have some weather in the Rocky Mountains, and so <laughs> <Heard> um, that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 uh, that cost of turnover, um, it, you know, it's difficult to put a number on. You know, you can you can understand what the costs are to, to hire and to train and all those things, but there's a there's a there's a number there that you can't put on a spreadsheet, and, um, and I'm not certain what it is, but I don't want to find out what it is, and and no, so it is good. a. Uh, it's it's really important to us, and uh, it's it's one of the things that we talk about every day. It's one of the things we think about. It's one of the things that keeps me up at night as well. Um, so, uh, how many employees do you have? We've got approximately four hundred and sixty uh, across well, our network. Well, I just looked at it. <clears throat> when I had my company. I had about seven hundred employees, and I figured that's usually three people per employee that they're depending on a paycheck. And, that's and, right. You know, that's the way I looked at it. I mean, there was, there was right. families, there was a community and everything. And I think if you don't look at it that way, uh, you're missing an opportunity. Well, that's how, leaders, that's how leaders should look at that. As we train our, you know, our regional managers, we have five regional managers across, uh, across our footprint. And that's exactly how we, how we try to, uh, uh, to train those folks is that you're not responsible for these operations. You're responsible for those families that are depending on these operations. Absolutely. And, um, so, and, and you once you doing what you're doing, I'm yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I, um, I, I was uh, at a college. I was working the dock at Yellow Transportation, and went to get uh, more. I try to procure more dock work at uh, at ABF Freight Systems, and uh, they they were uh, either smart enough or dumb enough. I can't I can't quite figure it out to hire me as an operation supervisor instead. And so, I. I, I I started that way in uh, 1999 uh, and worked my way up um, through their network and, uh, of, uh, you know, uh, changed companies a couple of different occasions. Uh, but I've done just about every position that you can have in this in this industry, supervisor, ops manager, spent some time on the labor relations side, been a director of sales, uh, ran areas uh, uh, as a uh, director of operations and then ultimately an area vice president. And so, um, uh, you know, there, there was no, uh, there was no secret sauce to it. It was just, you know, you do one job, you try to do it as good as you can possibly do it and focus on that. And then ideally some opportunities become available to you if you can perform in those, in those roles. Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. Where are you currently with your business with the supply chain, the backup, the backlog everybody's talking about, you know, is that impacting you and how is it impacting you? 
Yeah, that's an outstanding question. And, and uh, it, it's impacted us. Uh, and it's it's impacted us, impacted us in, a, in a couple different ways. Well, several different ways. Um, we'll talk about the fleet side of it for a second. Uh, there's a tremendous park shortage uh, across, um, um, you know, uh, likely uh, any machinery or vehicles or whatever the case might be. And certainly that impacts us impacts us from a fleet standpoint um we run a very modern tractor fleet it's it's underneath five years on average uh from a tractor standpoint but they break and you need parts to fix them and so uh we're struggling uh for you know from that perspective uh it's it's nothing that we can't work through and we're working through it but it's it's created a uh, it's certainly created a pinch for us um and then you think about as you purchase equipment right it's not like we can just go uh, put an order for trailers or tractors. Those those orders are being pushed out uh, almost a year in advance. So if I were to go order, you know, a hundred trailers today, uh, I'm probably looking at midsummer next year before we can take delivery of those trailers. Uh, and that's kind of you know that 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 um, that somewhat takes you off cadence from a, a fleet replenishment standpoint. From a business standpoint. Um, all of what's happening uh, that you see in the broader transportation industry with supply chain pinch points and so it goes, that's been a net positive for LTL carriers. It's certainly been a net positive for uh, North Park transportation. Um, certainly the rise of e-commerce has, has pushed more tonnage uh, towards the LTL carriers. Now we have to match our fleet uh, uh, to that, which has kind of been, there's been some difficulties in that. The other piece too is, you know, there's not a lot of truckload capacity out there right now. And we really will move some truckload shipments, but that's not really our bailiwick, right? But because we have capacity, because we can find drivers, um, um, you know, the work-life balance for our employees, is going to be different than a cross-country driver. Um, we have a much easier, and our industry in general has a much easier time of, uh, of, of finding and keeping drivers and so we've seen some of that business migrate uh, to our network. Finally, you know, you take the whole COVID impact, um, which I'm sure there will be books written on that and uh, studies done for years to come. Um, you know, there's been a population surge in uh, the regions that we service. So uh, I think when companies determined that you know, people could work from a laptop and they could do so remotely, uh, a lot of folks started moving to Montana and Wyoming and parts of the country that uh, have a lot of natural beauty. And, and, um, yeah, for sure. uh, and, and so we've seen a population shift there and that's been an impact to our business as well. Um, so, you know, it's a net positive, certainly from a tonnage standpoint, but there's been some operational challenges that come with that as well. Well, now you've got the, you know, I don't know what the, the insurance uh, thing is doing to you it, that's a, that's a risk that the fuel costs are, are <clears throat> yeah. and and the fuel costs have been the fuel costs we we can um so long as we're doing what we need to do from a pricing standpoint we can recoup a lot of that um uh, and and we focus um our fleet helps us there we've got a very fuel efficient fleet a fleet we've got a we've got a extraordinarily modern tractor fleet so that helps us from a fuel standpoint yeah. um and, and, you know, we've got to drive some operational improvements there. You know, you can't idle tractors. You don't need to idle forklifts or switch mules or any piece of equipment that we operate. But uh, we can recoup 
a lot of those or most of the fuel costs um, that we see just via fuel surcharges. I hope so. I hope it's going to flatten out here. I mean, I don't, I don't understand their energy policy anymore. I, I, thought, <laughs> I thought I did, but I don't anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you know that's that's a great point. And we're driven and we're driven heavily by the energy sector, particularly in Northeast Wyoming. Uh, we've got, you know, gosh, we've got we've got more assets in the state of Wyoming than any carrier that you'll speak with. We have 17, 15, I'm sorry, 15 facilities in the state of Wyoming, uh, loads of employees there, really high paying jobs, the northeastern part of that state and, and a good portion of the entire state's driven heavily by that sector. And so um, if 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 we decide to start punching holes in the ground. Uh, in the state of Wyoming, it would be a it would be a net positive for us as well. well for a lot of folks, yeah. I mean, I, one of my clients was uh, made swallow a Packers, so that business just went <laughs> gone. I mean, yeah. Crazy. Usually, I ask what's your differentiator, but I think you answered that. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I got to tell you, I got to tell you, anyways. So, um, so the, the the LTL piece, it's 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 unique, right? It's it's a, it's a unique yeah. industry. It's it's highly asset intensive. Um, you know, our nearest peer would be the railroads. Um, and what I mean by that is, is it, it's, uh, the barrier to entry into our industry. It's, it's difficult. Um, so if you were to recreate what we do, you know, you're going to have to go buy 26 properties and build 26, uh, facilities and then buy the tractors and trailers and then hire up all the employees. And that's before you get the first customer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, and if you haven't noticed, a lot of cities and towns and counties and municipalities, they're not real crazy about a trucking terminal being located in their in their neck of the woods. So that's not an easy proposition. So just the industry that we play in is a big differentiator. From a service standpoint, when I say service, I mean transit times. From a transit time standpoint, we're extremely fast. Um, we can run from, I'm in Salt Lake City today, and we can go from Salt Lake City to Bozeman, where I have nice, pretty big facility in Bozeman, Montana, we'll do that overnight. And, uh, wow. we pick up a ship. Yeah. If we pick up a shipment in the next three hours in Salt Lake, that shipment's going to be in Bozeman, Montana with a high degree of certainty before 10 AM. And that's so that, cons- yeah, that consistency and transit times and that speed, that's the big differentiator. Now there's obviously things we've got to improve on and we continue to work on those things. Um, but as you think about the area that we service and the speed in which we can do it, that's the differentiator between us and, and our competition. What kind of manufacturing do you support out there? I've been through that area, in the Yellowstone, and drove past yeah. Montana. It's a beautiful place. I mean, it really is. Uh, but you don't see a lot of industry, a lot of ranches and that kind of thing, right? So what, what's your main customer base up there? Well, so there's not a lot of manufacturing up there. And to your point, there's, there's simply, yeah, there's simply not, there is some retail and and there's a lot of retail in fact, and that retail piece can, seems to continue to grow. Um, But from a manufacturing standpoint, you know, the way this country is, is a lot of the manufacturers are going to be a little bit outside of our, of our service area. We see some manufacturing in Salt Lake, certainly some in Denver as well. Um, there's a lot of fabricating going on in Wyoming. Uh, certainly, um, you know, the agricultural side of things, we'll move farm implement, uh, implements and tools and things of that nature. But, you know, manufacturing, um, you know, we could use more of it yeah. in our part of the world. So if you can tell me who to speak to, to get that done, I'll do that. 
I'll let you know if I figure it out. That's one thing we're trying, and I'm trying to do my little corner of the world. I mean, my background, I'm trying to get manufacturing to to be uh, be cool again, right? I sure. mean, everybody's going into the business. I mean, I grew up in a in a mill mining town back in Western PA, and then manufacturing was everything. You know, now oh, yeah. it's been outsourced so much, and uh, it's been good to me over the years. Uh, and I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of folks now. They're overlooking it. Well, Martin, I can appreciate the crusade you're on because we feel the same way about what we call freight men and women and, and truckers, right? And truck drivers. Um, you know, a person can come to work for us uh, and drive over the road and be home every night and make That's over a hundred and make over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Really? With a retirement. Yes. With a retirement plan, with outstanding insurance. Or you can drive Salt Lake City or Missoula or Denver. Uh, and be home again every day, and we'll pay you close to $29 an hour. Um, these are excellent jobs. They are fantastic jobs, and they are careers, and um, and and uh, they're more than just cool. They, they're outstanding opportunities, and so I can certainly appreciate where you're coming from with that crusade because we're on the same crusade. Yeah, for sure. What does an overroad driver typically make, these guys that are up? Weeks at a time. I mean, do you have any idea? I'm sure you do, but yeah, uh, um, I think it depends on the organization that they're with, and from a mileage standpoint. I mean, we've it's seen all mileage driven, isn't it? it? It is, and then and then there's some, you know, depending on that carrier, they're going to pay you based on, um, you know, based on if there's some detention time or drop and hook pay or whatever the case might be. The way our network works is is we're going to run instead of laying down overnight. So I'll give you a great example. You know, it's roughly 600 miles from Denver to Salt Lake City. So as opposed to that driver going from Denver to Salt Lake City, and then once his hours of service uh, expire, he goes to a hotel and goes to sleep, we'll run two drivers, one from Salt Lake, one from Denver, and they'll meet in the middle and go back. What that does for us is that speeds up our transit times, but it also creates a much more, um, um, uh, a better work-life balance for our employees. Well, that's unique in, in the industry. I mean, that's, that's it's, very it's, it's It's relatively unique. Um, you know, I, it, it's hard for me to gauge the pay that some of the other carriers Yeah, uh, I was just, my own pay. curiosity, if nothing else. Because uh, uh, I, I, I spend a lot of time driving, too, and I look at these guys, and I think, how could you do that day in and day out? It's yeah. Just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a tough job. It's a tough, tough job. Um, but but we're really proud of what we do in our in our, in our broader industry. Um, it's not just a plug for North Park Transportation. It's a plug for our industry. Uh, a lot of those over the road jobs will pay exactly that amount, and, um, and and they're they're just they're fantastic career opportunities. And we've got to do a better job of attracting some some uh, some folks in the younger generation to to get our message out there and say this is a great opportunity to to really make yeah, a living. It sure is. Um, home every night's a big. Big payback. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but for yeah. most people, it is. <laughs> yeah. For most people. For most people. Where, where do you think industry is going in the next five years? Yeah, I, that's a great question, too. I, I'm bullish. I'm very bullish on the industry. Um, and I'm bullish on the industry for a few different reasons. There's just not, it's, it's the, again, the barrier to entry is, is really difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, you could take a look at our industry in general and the number of dock doors that are in our industry today, it's roughly the same number of dock doors that were in our industry 15 years ago. 
Um, and and you mean as far as uh, cross stocking and and warehouse? That's accurate. Okay. That's accurate. That's no, I mean across the industry. That's accurate. So yeah. you think about the cross stock operations that the that the broader LTL industry works uh, or utilizes in their in their networks. Those dock doors, they're that that number is roughly the same as it was 15, 20 years ago. And obviously the economy is much bigger than what it was 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So, so I'm bullish uh, from that standpoint. I'm bullish also because um, capacity uh, capacity is really difficult to ramp up. You know, we spent a lot of time on this, on this podcast talking about drivers and how hard they are to come by, but it's not just difficult to find a good driver it's, or a driver. It's hard to find a good one. And yeah. one that has a clean CDL and the type of background that you need to uh, to operate in this industry, where it gets even and the difficulties don't stop there. Um, a dock employee, uh, a management employee who wants to work nights, weekends, and 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 uh, go through the rigors of of operating on an open air dock uh, in the middle of the winter, or the middle of the summer. Um, that's not easy either, and so. The ability for carriers to ramp up capacity and, and kind of flood the uh, the industry with um, with capacity, which would drive prices down, that just doesn't seem to be out there. Uh, I'm always bullish on this country, anyways, and so I expect um, I expect uh, the economy to continue to grow, and we'll always have rough patches, and those things happen. But uh, but ultimately, I think I think as an industry, we're in an excellent spot. Um, we seem to fit a niche again where. You know, we're going to be faster than the railroads. Um, we're not going to be as fast as maybe a truckload carrier might be, but we can ramp up capacity a little bit easier than what they can. They'll have the same turnover. So um, we feel, I feel really, really good about it. Good. Yeah. When you said the docks were the same, I grew I'm, I'm outside of Memphis. You know, my, yeah. I came to Memphis because uh, my company was a th- uh, third party logistics company. FedEx was here. But they're building warehouse space every day. I mean, because of the, like you said, e-commerce or whatever, million square foot warehouse is nothing. They're popping up everywhere. We've got two uh, two rail uh, container yards, one in the east of Memphis and one in Memphis. So that capacity is growing consistently. Yep. Uh, so when it, and what you're saying is it's, it's an interesting point you made. I didn't realize there were only 50 LTL carriers. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, I ship a lot of LTL and truckload, and I know the difference pretty well. <laughs> mm-hmm. The biggest problem with LTL we have is damage, you know, which is sure. something I'm going to ask you about. Uh, yeah. The cross dock. Uh, I made first grade the HVAC equipment, and uh, LTL was was a, like a truck full truckload was easy. LTL is a little more risky. Sure. Um, but then that depends on the company too. I mean, I, I finally found the company would would take care of it. And, but, but the capacity and the need in, in the e-commerce, I mean, it, it's, it's growing exponentially, and I don't see that stopping. I don't, I don't see that anything in the next 10 years other than getting larger. So at some point, you guys are going to have to scale, aren't you? Um, I, I think the industry may need to scale. Uh, we likely need to scale a little bit. Um, you know, part of that scale, in my view, is is you just become more efficient operationally, right? And there's some scale in having efficiencies. Uh, and so we yeah. focus on that, right? And so when I can 
you know, when I can eventually look at it and say, okay, hey, we're as efficient as we can possibly be, and we still don't get the throughput from a particular operation or a particular facility, then then at that point you you, you start to scale. Um, from a damage standpoint, and a lot of that's going to be tools and, and the load quality tools that you have, and 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 uh, processes and accountabilities. I mean, there's it's pure blocking and tackling, as you could probably imagine. Yeah. With yeah. Uh, you know, in manufacturing and three P and working in three PLs, there's there's no there's simply no, uh, I use this term a lot. There's no pixie dust you can sprinkle on that. It's just yeah. doing the right thing every time and, and, and ensuring that, um, um, that your processes and your work methods are squared away. There's some things, there's some ways you can engineer out of that. Um, what will create damages in a less than truckload environment or multiple transfers, right? So if you're in Memphis, Tennessee right now, and you want to move a shipment to Jacksonville, Florida, ideally Memphis will load that direct to Jacksonville. But if they don't have the density to do it, then they're going to put it into Atlanta, and that's going to create a transfer. The more you transfer that shipment, obviously, the more opportunity you've got uh, you've got for damage. Finally, on the e-commerce piece, <laughs> and I see it exactly like you see it, Martin. I, I don't think that's going away either. And in fact, we think it's going to ramp up. The challenge, I think, for the LTL carriers, and certainly for us, for for, for North Park Transportation, is going to be just matching our fleet to that. Right. And so today our fleet's built for business to business. It's built for uh, the warehouses that you see going up in Memphis. Uh, it's built to go, you know, cross docked, B2B, you know, what, what we've traditionally done. Today, there's a lot of B2C and, and, um, and yeah. you know, your fleet needs to match that. And so we've, we've invested some in straight trucks and box trucks. We'll likely have to, uh, to ramp that up, lift gates on our trailers. And so it goes, but that's a multi-year process, and that demand shot up a lot more quickly than what uh, than what we could adjust to. Gotcha. Well, that was interesting. Uh, how do people get a hold of you? They want to learn more about your company. Yeah, absolutely. So go to nopk.com. You saw the website. We're proud of it. It's a new. Uh, we just refreshed that website, and um, uh, it's it tells outstanding. Your story. I mean, I liked it. it, it yeah. Yeah. Not seeing it before and just looking at it, I thought, okay, that's a, that's yeah. a good message. I'll give it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're we're excited about it, and uh, we've gotten a lot. And I, I'm I'm proud to hear that we've gotten some fantastic feedback on it. And, and really, it's interesting. I, I got to spend a lot of time with our employees in Salt Lake City. It's one of our large. It's our second largest operation in our company, and and I heard a lot of buzz about it. And so that that part was exciting. You can check us out there on, on NOPK.com. Or you can shoot me an email. It's uh, K-L-I-L-L-Y at N-O-P-K.com. And uh, feel free to email me anytime. And, and uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from from uh, your guest and from you and anybody that, that watched the podcast to, to tell our story. Well, I appreciate it. Anything else you want to tell us about you that I didn't ask you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not good at talking about myself, so uh, uh, I'm, I'm I, I don't do that either, really. No. Uh, it's pretty country up there. I hope I get a chance to get up and visit you sometime. I, I, I uh, would love to have you. Would love to have you and love to spend time with you, sir. Well, Keith, thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing and Supply Chain CEOs. If you're a successful CEO in manufacturing or supply chain that would like to be part of the program, please visit www.martinharsberger.com apply. 
If you got some value out of the interview, please share it on social media. We'd really appreciate it. Also, if you know someone that would make a great guest, tag them and let them know about the show. Again, our mission is to focus on manufacturing and supply chain CEOs. We'd like to share your story and provide industry trends and updates that would interest our listeners. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content. Make sure you don't miss an episode. Go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up ratings and interviews go a long way in promoting the show. You can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Martin Harshberger. Or through my website, www.martinharshberger.com. Again, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening.